There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1857-15996, the number to call. Text WhatsApp as always 083-396-9696. Email <coughs> opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter at OpinionLine96 and of course the Cork96FM Facebook page will always get you to us. Send us a message at market for the attention of the Opinion Line. Later on this morning we'll find out a bit more about the excitement to do with the COVID-19 vaccine. We, we now hear that we may be able to start rolling out vaccines in Ireland as early as the first or second week in January. And we'll find out more about that. They're, they're going to do it in the UK from next week because, well, their authorities are different to our authorities and we got to go by Europe and all of that. But we'll find out more about the vaccines and when we might get them and how they might work and all of that. They tell us, if we're to believe what we read, that by this time next year, if a vaccine program is rolled out successfully, that we don't have to worry about COVID anymore. That, that's what they're telling us. And we'll find out just how accurate that is uh, later on this morning. There's also some leaflets going around schools, according to the examiner. Um, pretty much anti-vax nonsense, uh, if you're to believe what you hear. If you've come across any of those leaflets, please do give us a shout at 1850-715-996. Lots more besides as well as we move through the morning, including another €200 Euro voucher from our friends at Foot Solutions. But I want to go up to the North Mon, or indeed to Mount Cara, uh, for a few minutes first this morning, because we have supported the Mount Cara story since midsummer, when it broke, when it broke, first of all, that Mount Cara's future was threatened. And then we followed it throughout the, uh, throughout the summer and throughout the autumn. And a number of weeks ago, we got the very good news that Mount Cara has been saved uh, and will carry on in the hands of a, another provider. And that the people who live up there and the people who've been there for years, to whom it's such an important part of their lives that it's their home, they're safe uh, and they're staying where they are. And that's all good news. But there's a nice little thing happening this morning up there where students from the North Mon are doing what you do at this time of year. Uh, their teacher is Colin Daly. Colin, good morning to you. 
Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. And delighted to do so. As I said yesterday on the programme, we're going to be inundated with different schools and different groups doing things like this. But seeing as you got into us nice and early and nice and quick, and I think Fiona's heading up there as well. Carol's singing for Mount Cara. Yeah, well, it was we do it every year. Um, I'm a past super and like I remember doing these things uh, when I was a student. So, um, like we're we're very immersed in the community. So, like it's very important to do these things at this, at this time of year. Yeah. But it was even more important given uh, what has happened in, in Mount Carr this year, and uh, like we say, the uncertainty that they, they faced, and uh, add COVID into that. Yeah. And, um, it's about it's trying time. So we we thought we'd uh, we'd make the extra effort. No, it's going to be a bit different naturally. Uh, so we're singing in the window to them, <laughs> but um, yeah. So it, it's just kind of a way to, to raise our spirits, and like we're we're exceptionally lucky in in the school in, in that the children raise our spirits every day. So we want to share that with with, with the residents in Moncar as well. That's a dreadful phone line. Could you maybe keep the the phone as close to your face as you can, Colin? Yeah. Also, there's a little treat for every member or every yeah, resident. We're, we're, yeah, we're passing in. Um, we're passing in uh, a box of roses each, and the the virtual hug that we saw from from little Adam yeah. on the late the late late show last week was a, was a fantastic moment. I think really, I think the the the, the late late show really captured the the, the essence of the, the, the country, um, and we're we're just going to try and and emulate that if we can and pass it in to the the residents because you know they they haven't had any visitation, so any any bit of um, a lift at all that we can. We can give them. We should. Funny, we were mentioning that watching the toy show last Friday night at home when he held up his little. I said, "That's can't, that's going to catch on." Yeah, it's yeah, going it's to catch it's on. It's you know? yeah, and that it's smile it's of his, for goodness sake, what a, what a, what a kid! So there's Absolutely. virtual hugs, there's boxes of chocolates, and I think the Frank and Walters are coming. Yeah, well, we, we were very, we were exceptionally lucky, as, as we said, to get to get uh, the Frank and Walter to come along because well, we were learning uh, after all because we're going to do some Christmas carols, but after all, it's a real uplifting uh, song and it's a real Cork song. So, like we said, the the North Monastery is kind of a, an institution in the North Man, and it's a Frank and Walter's after all song as well. So that's so we said we'd merge the two of them together. Um, and try and lift the spirits and then suddenly the, the Frank and Walters were able to come along with us so it's a fantastic thing and the, the children are all excited to Isn't see that fabulous yeah. yeah The lads, they, they'll turn up and, and, and they'll do it and, and they'll do it at the drop of a hat and it's always it's always great they're, they're fabulous I'm just trying to do something here talking about the Frank and Walters while, while we're chatting um, because you, you say you're going to do your own version of After All we're doing, yeah, we're doing our own version of After All. No, I, I wouldn't, uh, I would put it against the uh, the Frank and Walters version, but uh, we'll, we'll do our best. In no, I was think, I was thinking it might sound, it might sound a bit like this one. Do you remember this? Oh, no, this one. Feel free to join in. Remember this one? This is the one that really brought it back. <laughs> The yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that version? Yeah. yeah. They all start on the. <laughs> now I think that um, Fiona, our Fiona's heading up as well, so we might get your version recorded. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be good. That'd be good. Crack. That'd be good. Now, before I let you go. Uh, and we will probably talk again later on with either you or, or Fiona from up there. Um, what's this I hear about the school becoming a co-ed next year? Yeah, well, I suppose the, the, the Street Primary School has been a, a, a very prestigious and famous school for for, for uh, a 
number of years. Um, but we're 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 excited. It's a very exciting time in the school because we're we're looking forward to welcoming in infant girls and boys uh, from September 2021 on a phased basis. And the, the the response in the community has been outstanding. Really, the uh, the we're nearly at capacity for instance next year. There's one or two places for boys in in, in uh, second class for next year. But we're nearly at capacity already, for instance, and uh, with with expressions of interest flowing in for the year after and the year after that as well. So it's a really exciting time up there in the Normanshire Primary School. That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Listen, Colin, good luck with the morning. Good luck with the event. I hope it'll be great. And we'll catch up again during the morning. That's Colin Daly, teacher from the Northmont Secondary. Heading up there this morning with the with the class. Are we ready? I kept this on the system because it was just such a moment and it was was rebirth to the song. I think so, yeah. (laughs) The unmistakable scene from the Young Offenders, the end of of Series 1 on the bus. I wonder would the the pupils from the North Mon do the same this morning up at Mount Cara. But isn't it so fabulous? after all of the trouble and strife and worry and concern surrounding Mount Mount Cara over the last few months, that what we have today is a celebration for Christmas. It's great. Just great. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 On Cork's 96FM. <laughs> Kevin says, uh, It's mean now. I can't just leave it there. I have to play the whole Billy version of After All. Not today, Kev. But maybe this side of Christmas. In the last week running up to Christmas Eve, and we are on the air. Christmas Eve with a very special show but in that last couple of days we'll play a few bits and pieces that normally wouldn't get played and might might be not promising anything but it might be one of them keep your ears peeled for that 1850-715-996 we will be talking about the vaccine situation in a while with Professor Kingston Mills uh, who has been going over the the science and going over the papers and going over the research and going over the news and we'll sift out what's true we'll sift out what we can be excited about and we'll sift out what we maybe need to cool our jets on a little bit for now, that, that's all to come but who is Matthew Prince I hear you ask or I will in just a sec he's a billionaire uh, at a company called Cloudflare based in Silicon Valley, a senior head in Silicon Valley of a company called Cloudflare. And he has data centres in Dublin and and here in Cork. He doesn't like us. He's changed his mind on us. It's in The Independent today. He took to Twitter this week to denigrate Ireland. He said, it's not a viable option for Cloudflare to set up a high-end skills base here. He said, this guy, like, he said, nobody wants to live in Ireland unless they're Irish. I'd be realistic, he says, about your strengths and weaknesses. 
You're not a welcoming community to outsiders. The weather and the food suck. Well, I'm with him on the weather. I'm with him on the weather. The food, I don't know where he's eating. But he's wrong there. And we're not a very welcoming community to outsiders. I doubt it. I doubt it. I don't think that's true at all. Um, but people are not amused by this. What do you think? What do you think? Some people, Dom Jolie, the British comedy writer, said he doesn't know what he's talking about. Other people said that because of our amount of migration into this country proves that we welcome outsiders. The company Cloudflare has declined to comment on what he's been saying. He sold 10.5 million worth of shares last week, so he's a, a, another hefty paycheck for him. But this fella, like, this is a Silicon Valley billionaire. A Silicon Valley billionaire who says, we're not very welcoming. The food sucks and the weather sucks. I'll give it to him on the weather. I will give it to him on the weather. Uh, of all the things about this lovely country of ours... The weather bothers me most. And with every passing year of my life, I hate the winter more. So I'm with him there. I'm with him there. Um, yeah, and you do hear, I suppose, that when groups of foreign workers get together, that they bitch about us a little bit. But sure, where's the harm in that? When we get together, we bitch about them, whether they know it or not. When people get together in the workplace, they bitch. So apparently you get a bunch of maybe Asian workers or whatever, and they sit around with their coffee and, and they bitch you. Of course they bitch about us. That's what you do when you live in another country. You bitch about the country. I wouldn't be too bothered about that at all. But for a fella called Matthew Prince from Silicon Valley to say nobody wants to live in Ireland unless they're Irish... Uh, um, you're not welcoming and the weather or the food suck. I wonder where he's eating. That's the big thing. 1857 is in the Independent today. Now then again, employee feedback on Cloudflare. This is the last line in the Independent article. Employee feedback on Cloudflare on aggregation sites. These are sites where you can anonymously talk about where you work. Um... Can anonymously talk where you work. It's it's a toxic place to work, according to neg- uh, anonymous feedback on those kind of sites. Yeah, oh, by all accounts, yeah. Actually, the, someone said this before: the Spaniards who work here, and the loads of them, they're the ones who 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 can give out the most. Then again, I suppose if you take a bunch of Spaniards out of Barcelona or Madrid. And, and land them in Ireland and they spend six months of the year looking out at occasional mornings like this but cold and wet and wind and rain and sleet and everywhere is a sea of mud and is it any wonder they bitch about us, the Spaniards <laughs> coming from where they come, climate-wise 1850 your thoughts on Mr. Matthew Prince if you'd like to share them with us. Is he right about the weather? Is he right about the food? Is he right about our welcoming nature? Your thoughts, as I said. 
very welcome. There's a story on the examiner this morning um, to do with Besborough, quoting Catherine Corliss, the great Catherine Corliss, the woman whose work led to the discovery of what we now know about Chewham. Um, well, she is quoted on the front page of the examiner this morning as saying that Besborough could be the next Chewham. And it's headlined in the examiner. Catherine Corliss has been saying this for quite some time. It was her research, if you look back, her research who, who discovered or unveiled, if you like, the, the mass burial site in, in Tuam. And she believes that Besborough could contain similar horrors. Now, she's been giving some interviews about it. You'll have heard some clips in the morning news. But Catherine Corliss spoke to the opinion line in August of 2019 having visited Besborough for the first time. There was an, uh, a wonderful exhibition, beautiful exhibition actually put on at the Olimax in UCC to commemorate uh, the people who'd been through the mother and baby homes. And she was there as guest speaker to, to open the exhibition. And I got an opportunity to speak to her. And for the first time that day, she had visited Besborough. And it was coming a couple of months after the interim report of the Mother and Baby Homes Commission had told us in stark terms about these nearly 900 unaccounted for children from Besborough. And and we know, we hope, we pray that when the report, the full report comes out soon, that we get more detail. But at the time, I talked with Catherine Corliss at UCC for the opinion line about her impressions of Besborough and her fears for what might lie beneath. My belief is a lot of the babies must be there near near the best near, near the home itself. Uh, I know it's uh, it's said that uh, they're in Cars Hill, but um, I, I would find that a bit difficult well, we to understand. We have one case. We have one case. The case of Carmel Cantwell, who now knows after being lied to for. 30 years, she now knows that her brother she's been told that her brother William is in Cars Hill and we know that, that there may well be others. The biggest problem I think with the 900 and odd babies Catherine is we actually have no idea where over 860 of them are. None whatsoever not only do we know have not have names we've no idea where they are. Now comparing that to Chewham we know where they are in Chewham. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible place, mm-hmm. but we know where they are. Mm-hmm. How how do you process the thought of a mother who lost a child in the 60s or 70s and has no idea where that child is? I just wonder, uh, the, the sisters of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and Mary, do they wonder at that? Do they ever think of the mothers and the pain, the pain a loss of a child will cause? And the one little, little... Uh, hope they have is that they would find the spot where their child is buried do the sisters not understand the enormity of the importance of having a grave to go to and just to stand by and just to remember their little baby and that, that the, the comfort that that might give them would they not just consider that for a moment and give the names to the, to just give the names out there to the people of Cork so they can, so they can find these burials and just maybe reclaim and make a little angel's plot of where the babies are buried. Now, it's hard to believe that the sisters don't know where they are buried. That is just... That's incomprehensible. And many of them told the tribunal this. I know they did. They did, and the commission have stated that 
it, in, in black and white, they, they state that they don't really believe this, that the information that the sisters gave the Commission of Inquiry is inaccurate and misleading. Surely to goodness, the, the sisters have, have a conscience, and I would ask them to have a conscience and tell the mothers where their little babies are buried. It's bad enough to lose, to lose the baby, but not to know the burial spot and know where to go to. It's like losing family at sea, but at least you know they're in the sea, or, or they're just, you have an idea. But it's awful. It's like having a lost soul. So if they have any compassion in any form, just let's release those names. And the government should release them and the Commission of Inquiry. So maybe when the report comes out in February 2020, maybe then they will release the names. We can only hope on that. Catherine, I'm honoured every June to MC at the annual commemoration down, down at the Folly. But this June, our guest speaker was Fergus Finlay. And he said at that commemoration, he said it's time to involve the Gardaí. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And also in June, I think the guards should have been called in as well to examine this. But definitely in Cork, I mean, okay, you have 800 missing babies. Where are they? Are they there? Are they adopted illegally? Why, why, what's the big secrecy? There's something behind it, and I think the guards should be called in. It is also a criminal offence to conceal a human body. Absolutely. Totally. It's illegal not to record a death, absolutely. But uh, whether, there's, whether they're recorded or not, we don't sure, know. But no, there's a way of finding out that. We had heard of a shocking practice of babies being put down to the end of adult coffins. This kind of carry on. Someone has to be made to, to pay. Well, they have, because those poor little babies, like the babies in Chum, they were just discarded. They were not seen as human beings at all. They, they were just seen as, as uh, things to be discarded and not to be treated with any dignity or respect. And it's time to turn the tables. It's time to give healing back to all the survivors and the people who have families in this situation. Yes, she's on front page of the Examiner this morning and also in the, the radio news. But we were having that conversation with Kerthan Corliss on the opinion line back in August of 2019. Guards should be involved. This comes in the same week. And that's the context in which the examiner has its report this morning. It comes in the same week that we hear of the planning applications for uh, houses, hundreds of apartments down on on Besborough this week. So when so much is not known about what lies beneath, you do have to ask the question why anybody could be allowed to build on it. 1850-715-996. Right, we're doing our giveaway with... Foot Solutions next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmerie. Each week we bring you the latest news from our vibrant and creative communities all around Cork. Whether it's tips for the best live gigs online, new initiatives from Cork's writers and musicians, join Elmerie Mall and Connor Tallon as we work to support and keep the arts alive in Cork. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do. On Quartz 96 FM. This is Quartz Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Quartz 96 FM. 
Coming up in just a sec, someone who says we really, really do need to look at pay. We really, really need to look at pay in the early years sector. Oh, I see John from Mallow is giving out about my comments on the mother and baby homes. Terry, John from Mallow is always giving out about my comments on mother and baby homes. We've fallen out many times on the show. Hi, John. 1850-715-996. We're with Foot Solutions. All this week, our friends on the Grand Parade giving the gift of comfort to your loved ones with a Foot Solutions gift card this Christmas. And we've been playing, and we've had fun with this, footprints or footsteps in the snow. Footsteps in the snow. Now, I've been very lenient and very kind for most of the week because it's, well, it's December. But I've been pulled up a little bit. I got my knuckles wrapped for being too nice to you. You get it once and once only as of this morning. All right? So, here's your first set of footsteps in the snow for Foot Solutions. I hope you listened very carefully because I shall play that only once, to paraphrase an old comedy classic. Make a note of how many you heard, keep it safe, we'll give you more in the next hour. And more before we finish with Foot Solutions. Uh, give comfort to your loved ones this Christmas with a Foot Solutions gift card on Cork's 96FM. Interesting piece in the Echo uh, yesterday where a childcare professional from Cork has said state action on pay is urgently needed. SIP2, uh, the article tells us, published research recently indicating that workers employed in the early years sector here are paid far less than their counterparts in other countries. Uh, Mina Murphy owns her own preschool facility in Kildinan, just outside Watergrass Hill, and she joins me. And Mina, that that survey was not news to you at all. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Delighted. No, that was not a surprise. Um, that's actually something that we have been um, trying to trump for the government for many years here in Ireland. And um, I think that um, government really needs to step up with this issue. Um, I can only speak for myself as an earlier service provider. I am expected to do the highest standard quality earlier care um, with the lowest pay. So... Um, in that sense, um, government is trying to get the quality service, but not paying attention so much for the pay. What's the average wage in the sector? Well, that's also one issue that uh, um, myself and SIPTU would like to um, get um, looked at, because at the moment it feels like it's uh, like a wild west, because there is no standard pay scale. Um, a lot of people who are working in earlier sector are at the moment on a minimum wage and that doesn't change unless there will be um, more finance coming into the sector from the government Um, it's up to each provider basically offer what they want to offer so it could be that level five um, student graduating will go to a place and earn 13 euros per hour and in another place, a level eight 
student might receive the same. That's a, that's a person with a, with an honours degree might receive mm-hmm. the same. Yeah. Someone yeah. said one time, I mean, uh, during a previous discussion we had on the opinion line about this, that they had been looking into it and they would earn more per hour in a Saturday night in their local chipper. I'm sure that's true. And um, that, that's the sadness of it all. That, uh, because uh, when you look into the future of early years, it doesn't look appealing at all to come to the, and work in the sector. And like last year, only we were um, marching there over 30,000 earlier educators mm. demanding change from the government. And then when government just blandly ignored us on this budget, it really felt like a slap on the face and it really feels like there's no future in the yeah. sector. There's it's no very hard to for- attract good people uh, the, the, be, the best people, the most highly qualified. Not saying that anybody working in the sector isn't doing their level best, but it's very hard to attract the top people on on that kind of a salary. Absolutely. There's um, already, I know, um, a few of my colleagues that have just post-graduated on level eight, and they're just saying that I'm not going to continue in the sector. I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And that's happening everywhere. And that then um, affects the quality of the service. Mm. When you think about that, there is a lot of people leaving the sector. The children are suffering from the fact that they have formed attachment to a person and that person is leaving. Then the team that works there need to re-educate another person again. Yeah. And uh, it, it really affects the quality. Yeah. Of the care. Now you're you're originally a native of, of Finland. Uh, yes. Compare your your home country with Ireland in this sector. Um, in the earlier sector, yeah. yeah. Um, so um, the the pay is uh, reasonably better, and uh, the working hours, like uh, I was working only seven hours forty minutes, which is the standard working hours that we do. Um, I was earning way more than I do now when I'm working um, some days, eight hours, sometimes 10 hours because um, I'm managing my own business. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in parents' perspective, um, uh, in Finland, um, like our firstborn was born in Finland and we paid for her care only 270 euros a month. What? For a full daycare service with all three meals, breakfast, hot lunch, hold, and hold on, snack. hold on, minute two hundred and seventy a month. Absolutely, yeah. That's less than some people pay a week. Mm-hmm. And that's really the issue here now that the government needs to understand that earlier service is the first step on the uh, successful academic learning going to primary school. And um, that's what I think here in Ireland has happened, that it's they have just ignored it for, for far too long. And uh, to compare, for example, in Finland, the government understands that it's a public service. It's for the society, it's for the families, it's for the children. Yes. And uh, I don't think that um, Irish government can ignore that because anymore. Because if you look at it, People are listening to you and, and agreeing with you, saying, look, the wages are too low. But the, the fear would be that if you put the wages up and pay people what they're worth in mm. this country, the cost of care will just spiral and it's already too high for a lot of people. 
Well, that's the thing. Um, I think the Irish government should start subsidising it more. They really need to see it as another um, um, learning place, like uh, seeing us as teachers, seeing the earlier sector as uh, the first, the the base, the foundation. You're coming under the education budget, in other words. Absolutely. And the, the funny thing here is that it's no secret that Ireland actually has the fastest growing economy in Europe. It's been growing since 19th and it is at the moment, you can check it wherever you want, but it's the highest growing economy in Europe yeah. with the lowest investment in early years care. Yeah. So I really think that at the moment it feels like they are just turning their back on us. And that's not right. And that's why uh, myself and uh, other activists in um, in the union, I'm, I'm joined Shitsitu. Yeah. And um, that's what we are fighting for. It's it's not right. Yeah, it's funny. Coming to the end of every year on this program, I always think of the things that, you know, haven't changed and may even have gotten worse. And we were talking about this this time last year, and I'm sure this time the year before. Yes. Do you know, and, and, and unfortunately, looking into 2021, it doesn't look optimistic. But Mina, keep up the fight, I guess, is all we can say to you. Mina Murphy, uh, who has her own childcare business in, in North Cork, uh, from Finland originally. Look at that, look at that. €270 Euro a month for a full daycare service for one child in Finland. Now, it's a few years ago because she's been here a while. Hi- highly subsidised by the government. Highly subsidised by the government. And the salary, uh, she was taking home far more, far more than she does here. 1850-715-996. Yeah, John and Mallow has been saying uh, about the mother and baby homes. He says babies didn't die in him. John, we've had that discussion. We've had that argument. You've lost every time. Great excitement in the UK earlier this week. Boris Johnson, I'd say, was close to tears when he was announcing the rollout of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. They are going to start rolling out doses next week. Uh, Up in the north as well, they can start rolling out doses before the end of December. And I heard yesterday that there is a meeting of the European medicines people at the end of December where they will decide on rolling it out across the EU, which, of course, would involve rolling it out here. And genuine excitement now that we may have the first working vaccine for COVID-19 being injected into the most vulnerable among us. In other words, they will be prioritised for getting the vaccine from early in 2021, which is just remarkable when you consider that we didn't even know what this thing was. This time last year, there was there was some people sick in China this time last year with something that we didn't know what it was. They didn't know what it was. There was a bit of panic, but nothing major. We, we thought this will be grand. It's just a problem in China and the Chinese will sort it out. That's this time last year. Now we have vaccines ready. Let's catch up with Professor Kingston Mills at uh, Trinity College, who's been on with me before. Uh, Kingston, good morning. Good morning. Good to talk to you again. Before I talk about the rollout, the progress has been really, really exciting, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm absolutely amazing is how I describe it. I mean, normally um, vaccines can take up to 10 years to develop from beginning of the discovery phase to licensing. Um, you know, the more recent ones have taken you know, as, as, as short as four years, but to do it in, in six to nine months is just incredible. Um, so, you know, and that's 
partly because uh, a there's so many companies doing it and, and trying to get first out with it and secondly there's been a lot of money thrown at it both by the NIH in the US and by charities like the Gates Foundation who are actually paying for the manufacture of the facilities to to make the vaccines long before they knew that the vaccines were actually going to work so they took a punt on the fact that they would work and they built the facilities and they had the, the vials of the vaccine actually ready to roll out before they even got approval for, 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 for use of the vaccines. In your professional opinion, Professor Mills, has this been rushed? Expedited is the word I would use rather than rushed. Um, I think that the regulatory agencies, I, 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 I have a fair insight into the workings of the regulatory agencies because I spent four years myself in the laboratory wing of the MHRA in the UK. And they're very thorough and experienced and, ex, um, um, and professional organisations who would not licence a vaccine if they weren't happy with it. The dossiers that the companies have to submit for licensing of vaccines are truly enormous. We're, we're talking about thousands of pages of, of, of documents. That's part of the problem. That, that, and people say, why can't the FDA and the EMA license this tomorrow? They have to actually go through all that data and look at it and scrutinise it and be happy with it before they're going to make a call on it. And um, so I don't think um, it's, it's been rushed. I think that um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to hear that the MHRA, the, this is the UK regulatory agency, ha- have licensed it because it means that they've looked at all that data, which, which, which we, you know, scientists in the, in, around the world haven't seen yet because all we've seen are, are, are press releases. They've seen that data. They're happy with it mm-hmm. and they're happy enough to license it. Yeah. There was a, a doctor from the World Health Organization on radio this morning, Dr. Harris, and, and the point she was making was actually the vaccine has come to market very quickly, but the science has been in development for a number of years. C- can you explain that? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the company Moderna, who has the sort of the second in line to have a vaccine on, on, on the market after Pfizer, have been working on these mRNA vaccines for about 10 years. Um, uh, they have been working on them for various infections, not just SARS-CoV-2, before the SARS epidemic uh, arose. They've been working on flu va- vaccines and other types of bacterial vaccines using this technology. They've already done phase one clinical trials, so they have a fair idea how the thing works. Now, they've never got it as far as phase three before, yeah. which is the, the big efficacy trial. And of course, the, the, the COVID-19, because everything was, as I said, so, so um, contracted, uh, they were able to get it very quickly into, into phase three. So, so this technology has been in development for 10 years um, using other viruses. And the other, the other technology that the AstraZeneca um, vaccine, the Oxford vaccine approach is using this adenovirus, that technology... Be, be I, beg your pardon. I beg your pardon there. Thank you. Yeah, so that, that technology has been in development for about 15 years. In particular, the groups in Oxford have, have been using it uh, as sort of um, candidate vaccines for things like malaria, HIV, and TB. They haven't worked because those are actually very hard. Um, now, the malaria one got close to working, um, but the, the, the data from the SARS-CoV-2 looks much better yeah. than any of the previous um, data that they generate. So they, this, is, this is not just something that's happened in six months. Absolutely correct yeah. this has been work these people have been working on this for for, for decades yeah yeah which is which is great now obviously questions will arise because it is so new because we'll have to take two doses and because you know we'll all be trying to understand how it works but one question that seems to be coming up is will a person who has been vaccinated they obviously will get their own benefit from the vaccine but will they be infectious then if the virus hits them 
Well, that's a, that's a very, that's the, that's the, the $64,000 question because we actually don't know that yet. Right. The data, and that's based again on the clinical, on the sort of uh, the, the, the information that we got from the clinical trials, the, the press releases. The, the press releases says that, uh, and, and if you look at that, and I went in to look at the, the clinical trials website, all this is in the public domain. The, 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 um, the, when, when somebody, when a company does a, a clinical trial, they have to submit a dossier, and that dossier is public available, and I looked at that dossier. And what it says is that the, 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 what they call the primary endpoint of the trial is to prevent COVID-19 disease. So that's, that's the main aim, is to stop people getting disease. Now, yeah. a secondary endpoint is to see if it also stops people getting infection. But that's a higher barrier, mm-hmm. a higher hurdle to cross. And some vaccines prevent disease only and don't prevent infection. The really good ones will prevent infection as well yeah. and then stop the spread of the virus. To prevent you from becoming infectious. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it could be that... So the vaccine might, might pass... Harm, the, sorry, the, the, the virus might pass harmlessly through my body, but, but I could infect someone near to me, and we don't know yet whether that's not that's the case. Exactly. And we don't know that yet. And that will come out once the vaccine is in use for a while. I mean, it will, be, it will come out on some further data from the clinical trials because some of the manufacturers are what they're doing is they're, they're swabbing people every week or every month after they've had the vaccine to check that they're not getting infected. Now, the way that they're doing it in the clinical trial is to look, if somebody develops symptoms, they will then send them for a swab and confirm that they have COVID-19. But what they're not doing is, and what we do, what the data we don't have yet is, if, just, if they swabbed everybody, would they find some, in, some asymptomatics that got infection but didn't present with disease? So that we don't know yet. Okay. Now, it, it, it may be that the vaccines do that as well, and if it does, that's even more fantastic news. But, but we just have to be cautious only time will, of course, right, tell. Right now, and saying that just because you have the vaccine doesn't mean that you may not get a subclinical infection and pass it on to someone else. And that may be something that we'll know in, in, in six months' time. Lastly, uh, Professor, and, and briefly, if you could, the, the hyper-freezing. It's going to be hard to keep this thing, to keep this vaccine, uh, once you take it out of a freezer, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 it will stay in the fridge for a couple of days after it's thawed out. But the, the, that means that effectively it has to be kept in, it has to be administered in a location that is very close to where the freezer is. So realistically, we're talking about having um, the, the, the vaccination in, in other hospitals or specialist uh, vaccine clinics that would be set up for the purpose. It can't be, for example, in GP surgery or in a pharmacy. Right now, you can go into a pharmacy. In, and I, indeed, two weeks ago, went into my local pharmacy and got the flu vaccine. You can't, it, this is not going to be an option for, for, for this particular vaccine. Now, the AstraZeneca vaccine, on the other hand, should it be licensed, can be kept at, at four degrees for, for six months. So it could be easily rolled out okay. in, through GPs or, or pharmacies. Okay, Dan, again, time will tell all of that. Thank you so much for your time. As always, Professor Kingston Mills, Professor of Experimental Immunology at Trinity College in Dublin, 1850-715-996. We could be rid of this thing, lads, by this time next year. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. 1850-715-996 is the number to call. The text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Good to get some solid science from Professor Kingston Mills. The, the one that I suppose we will have to wait for, and we really have no way of knowing just now, and he stresses that we have no way of knowing just now, is if you get the vaccine and you're immune to COVID-19, so the virus will pass harmlessly through your body. 
But will you still be infectious to those around you? We just don't know that. There's no way to know that until the vaccine is out there and being used and there are more tests done. So that's that's not something wrong. It's just a fact. It's, it's an early stage. But the science behind the vaccines... And the explanation for this is fantastic. The science behind the vaccines has actually been around for quite a number of years now. And they've been able to use what they know about the first SARS, that SARS uh, epidemic, and they've been able to use what they know about MERS and other vaccines and other viruses to help to make these ones. So it's good science. Now this, and I don't know who's going around schools. It's reported in the examiner this morning that someone is going around school gates handing out leaflets, uh, effectively anti-vax nonsense in the leaflets. We're going to have lots of that. That's the first few weeks of 2021. We are going to be inundated with horse manure from anti-vaxxers of every hue and every ilk. And they will make every excuse to try and talk this down. Let them. This is good science. Someone said to me last night, uh, am I going to take the vaccine? Uh, I will take it here in this studio and video it, if that's what I need to do to show people that I trust it. 1850-715-996. And of course now in will come the accusations that I'm being paid to say that, which I'm not. So thank you. Go away. Go away and boil your head in the cabbage water. We've had some responses to uh, to Mr. Prince, Mr. Matthew Prince of Cloudflare and his comments about Ireland. But I will get to them. He, he reckons that no one wants to live in Ireland unless they're Irish. Uh, and he said, it's, 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 you're not a very welcoming community and the weather and the food suck. We've had some interesting responses to that. And I will come back to it. But first, there's a petition being handed in to CUMH... Uh, today, Thursday, with 50,000 or over 50,000 signatures on it, protesting against visiting restrictions in maternity services. And this is something that's been with us since the very, very early days of the pandemic because I've listened to many, many stories of people who went through maybe a difficult pregnancy, maybe a difficult experience during their pregnancy, maybe a difficult birth, difficult labour, whatever. Or people who just went through an ordinary, everyday, you know, nice, easygoing, uncomplicated birth and pregnancy. Both of them have told me stories of, of how distressing it was not to be able to have your birth partner or your other half in there with you. And because of COVID-19, it was completely stopped. Linda Kelly, you had a daughter. How, how is Amy, Kate? She's sitting here chewing on my hand as we speak, PJ, in the throes of teasing. They'll do that. They'll do that. So you're one of the people behind this petition. And it has been, I think, one of the most distressing stories of the pandemic of of people having to wait in car parks for news or be called in for 15 minutes or people, you know, in a frightening moment during a scan or something. And there's nobody there to take your hand. That's exactly it, PJ. And, you know, it really is very distressing for women right across the country, but particularly here in Cork, where CUMH are insistent on having some of the strictest restrictions in the country. So I gave birth in July. It was at the time when our, you know, the infection rate for COVID was very low. 
And if I had given birth in Dublin in the same week, my husband would have been able to come in and visit me. Um, and instead, he I was left, I had to go in on my own. It was my second baby. I had a very hard birth with my first girl. So, you know, the, few, the hours I was made to wait in the ward before I had to have the operation, you know, was just, I was there on my own with all, you know, all the thoughts that swirl around your head before any sort of major operation, completely on my own. Then he, they told me to call him and tell him to come in. Um, when I got down to the theatre, the nurse was like, well, where is he? I was like, he's on his way. Like, it's, you know, he, he's trying his best to, to get here. Mm. Um, and then, you know, after I had the operation, we were in the recovery room and they came in and they said, listen, the shifts are changing up in the wards. You can't stay any longer. We need to get you back up. And they just started moving the bed and moving us down the corridor. And then they just kind of said very casually, listen, you go that way. She's going this way. And I had to ask them to stop the bed so I could say goodbye to him. Um, and then you're left, like, you know, three days in there. Like, I was paralysed from the waist down for the first night. Um, and all you hear is women crying. That's all you hear when you're in there is just women crying behind their blue curtain because mm. everybody's just so vulnerable. They're so lonely. And all they want is somebody who knows them and who loves them to be there to hold their hands. And did it matter? I suppose it didn't matter at all, but there, you did understand, I guess, that this was public health advice. Well, I suppose at the start of the pandemic, I think everybody was just, you know, trying to do their best. And there was no doubt that we were dealing with something unprecedented. Nessus have actually been very silent on the advice to maternity hospitals. And other, you know, the Health Protection Surveillance Centre actually advises that women have their support person with them, as do the World Health Organisation. And I think that's actually one of the things that women have found very distressing throughout this is that they have, you know, the HSC and the maternity hospitals have just said we need to minimise footfall. But they haven't actually answered any of our questions around what's the extra risk if it's somebody from the same household as you. Like it's an intimate partner in the majority of cases that is coming in with a woman. So what is the additional risk there? Why aren't they swabbing? Like I had a planned section. If I was in the general hospital going for general surgery, I would be swabbed for covid why is that not being offered to pregnant women and their partners? Yeah. Why are they not advising women to self-isolate, um, you know, from week 36, 37 to ensure that in the two weeks prior to birth, you know, they've got very restricted contacts and the risk is low. Mm. There's not Why a whole lot you can do in that two weeks anyway. <laughs> All you can do really is sleep and pee, you know. Um, but you know, these are the like these are legitimate questions, and no one from a decision-making capacity in the HSC has been able to answer them. And, and, and was Nevis ever asked to advise repeatedly by a number of journalists and at their briefings, and they referred it back to maternity hospitals. So there definitely seems to be some sort of power game going on between the maternity services and the HSC. And I think that's due to maternity services being historically underfunded yeah. within the HSC structure. But, you know, it's not good enough to use women as a pawn in that sort of game at this point in time. Is that, is that what it feels like? It, absolutely. It feels like we're second-class citizens. 
Because the government have made great effort, and I don't begrudge this at all, but they have made great effort to, you know, either go against Neffet or modify Neffet's advice for hospitality sector, um, for sports games, you know, the calls for the All-Ireland, you know, that backroom teams would be allowed fully into the game. And yet there's no such serious consideration being given to those of us who are giving birth, hundreds of us, every day of the week, yeah. every week of the year, in an essential health service. And you have to wonder why that's the case. Yeah. And to prove my point, and I'll, I'll finish on this, yeah. the Living a COVID plan, you know, the government's flagship document yes. that they published, a great fanfare about the five stages, and we'd move between the stages, and everybody would understand where they were at, and, and you know, we'd all hold responsibility for COVID. There isn't a single mention in that document about maternity services. And it was only when we spoke up and only when we got opposition TDs to raise it in the door mm. that they went back and hastily prepared some guidelines for the maternity services. That, that is interesting, actually. There was no mention in all of that five-point plan. You know? As of this morning at 8 o'clock, I had a look. The, the petition has 52,233 signatures on it and they'll be handed in virtually uh, today. Um, the okay. South Southwest Hospital Group issued a statement to the opinion line regarding um, your your campaign and regarding the, the petition and they say they fully understand how challenging visiting restrictions at our hospitals have been. However, as COVID-19 is still very much in our community, there is a need to minimise footfall in maternity units to limit the risk of the virus spreading. As services resume, particularly in gynaecology, there will be higher numbers of peoples in the hospitals, increasing the vulnerability of our hospitals to an outbreak. An outbreak of COVID-19 among staff or parents would have a severely negative impact and reduce our ability to provide essential services to our patients. Visiting restrictions are reviewed at the weekly directorate-wide management meetings and our approach is based on consensus from all our hospital units. That's the, the, the gist of, of the statement. And that's a copy and paste statement of the same one they have put out every week since this has been raised in the middle of the pandemic. But I will give them credit that they have reviewed the restrictions on pregnancy loss, which I think is one of the most devastating areas where this is affecting women. Yeah. So since October, even though women have to attend an appointment on their own, if they do receive that dreadful heartbreaking news, somebody can come in and come, come come in with them for any other follow-up appointments. And I think that shows that there is some willingness to review the restrictions and we now need to look at it for all of the women using the maternity services, not just in the most heartbreaking of circumstances. That's progress at least. Uh, Absolutely. Petition, you're handing it over at 11 o'clock, followed by that uh, virtual, virtual protest. Linda, thank you very much. Our best to Amy, Kate... Uh, he's looking forward to her first Christmas, I guess. Thanks, and as is her big sister. Yeah, her big sister. How old is big sister? Two and a half. Ah. Oh. <laughs> the Christmas tree is a nightmare, PJ. Well, whatever about, whatever about, about Amy Kate, the two and a half year old, be careful. I, 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 had, I, I had two at one time, and they'll both try to climb it. So, <laughs> <laughs> see Good advice. Take care. Bye, bye-bye. Thanks, and bye this is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM.
Here's a story breaking this morning through uh, one of my various contact lists in the whole adoption mother and baby homes world. We are hearing, uh, this isn't yet verified I believe, but we are hearing that the final report of the Mother and Baby Homes Commission will be published on the 11th of January. The 11th of January, which is the second Monday in January. Uh, that's coming up on one or two of the discussion boards this morning. So we'll see uh, what happens. 11th of January for that report to be published. Pat asks whether the opinion line has picked up on the proposed restructuring of AIB, that they'll be closing their branch on Patrick Street and amalgamating it into the South Mall. So that's another business gone from the city centre. Yeah, the examiner is reporting that this morning. 1850 Councillor Kenneth O'Flynn, what are you at? Good morning. Good morning, Peter. How Wheelchair you swings in playgrounds. Well, it's, PJ, it's, it's something that we really don't have in our playgrounds here throughout the city. Um, I've been in contact with a number, as you know, today is International uh, Disability Day. Yes. Uh, I've been in contact not only with, with various advocate groups, but parents of children with disabilities in particular, uh, and just meeting constituents ar- around, you know, uh, whether it be Ballavalan Park, up in Farnley, or, or over in Bishopstone even, you know, um, where we do have playgrounds. What I've placed is a motion that we would include disability um, swings and other um, o- other play, play, play things such as slides, etc., that would have disability access. It's something that's been rolled out uh, around the mainland Europe uh, to great to great positivity. Mm. It includes, you know, you're talking. It allows people with disabilities to be included, you know, um, to to have their facilities there. Is it a swing it, or a seesaw or or other such device roundabout that that, that that the wheelchair can yeah, clip into or something? The wheelchair can clip into. Um, it's totally safe. It can be done for relatively cheap money. You're talking under a thousand euros per unit, from what I'm from what I'm accessing online here and on price. And this is Ireland, by this is Ireland. But the time you put but the time you put that through a fact finding committee and a couple of feasibility studies to be a million euro a unit. You know what amazes me actually, and I have to say it about I'm eleven years now on city council, what can be done what I could do privately for for a couple of thousand euros always seems to come out to a million euros or something like that because it, it goes crazy. But look you know, this could be procured very, very reasonably and fitted in long, alongside our existing playgrounds throughout the city. And I don't think it's an awful lot to ask for. I think it it does include people. It includes people, you know, as you're watching your friends playing on swings and playing on roundabouts, etc. Um, it allows them to have exactly the same experience that, that their friends and their peers are having. And that's about inclusion. And that's about giving people with disability the opportun- opportunity to participate the same as everybody else. And I think particularly on the day that it is being International Disability Day, I think it is a good motion to put forward to City Hall that can be done, can be um, brought out. When, very, it be, when will it be discussed? And is there a budget there for it? Well, look, there's always a fight with a budget, but, uh, you know, I go back to my old argument, you know, we can, we can find money for, the, for, for certain things. Mm. You, know, you know, in fairness, actually, we, we found a lot of money available to us through sponsorship um, for via Coca-Cola, zero Coca-Cola bike racks and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think Ban has sponsored some bike racks as well in the city. So, you know, corporate sponsorship is always something that's available as well and it's an avenue to go down. Um, because of the prices of the of these, I don't think you have to go through the huge public procurement process. Mm. 
Um, and, but and I'm sure you could find a nice corporate um, friend who wouldn't mind having a little plaque screwed onto each one. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, look, these things can be found. But look, I think it's important that we stop paying lip service to the disability sector and we st- we, we start doing things. You know, okay. uh, you know, and, and I think something like this could have a huge benefit for our citizens and for the families of our citizens as well because uh, you know I have I have in Bellavalon Park I, I spoke to one I don't think they're, they're going to mind me saying I'm not going to mention names but one couple said look it's, it's, it's very hurtful at times for her to watch her friends and her sister mm-hmm. on the slide on the swings and not be able to participate makes sense and indeed you say these are available around Europe I, I have seen them I have seen them in Spain, as I'm sure you have too, Ken, because you spent quite a lot of time there. That's Councillor Kenneth O'Flynn. Thank you very much. Uh, proposing to Council that we put disability play area or play equipment into playgrounds, like a swing that a wheelchair clips into or a slide or a roundabout that a wheelchair just clips into or slides into. It's not rocket science, and they do it all over Europe. We had a fantastic thing down in West Cork this summer, and people thought, wow, this is the greatest thing we've ever seen. One of these beach wheelchairs. They're all over the place in Spain. And the way that they integrate people in wheelchairs into playgrounds and restaurants and pubs, they, they, they leave us miles behind across Europe. So, 1850-715-996. PJ had a baby in July. I was put into hospital early for observation. I was told I'd need to stay until I had the baby. I was 38 weeks pregnant. I didn't know when I'd see my husband or my other child. I was in for nearly a week before I was inducted or induced, and my husband was waiting in the car park for 10 hours due to complications. It was hard and challenging. However, I accept these decisions. The staff are saints and they help the best way they can. I was very safe from a COVID perspective, and more importantly, my baby and all other babies were safe. I respect Linda's opinion, but not all women who had a baby during that period agree with her. Happy Christmas to all. Kevin tweeted, if you're about to start your text with uh, back in my day, don't. You're wrong. Yeah. You see, yeah, you're right Ken, or Kev, because back in the day uh, children went to school barefoot and, and we wouldn't have that now. And yes, we wouldn't do that and dad stayed at home and might have got a phone call to get him out of bed to say he had a, a daughter or a son. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that now. So, yeah, see your point, Kev. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Jack O'Rourke plays live at Kent Street Station Cork this Tuesday as part of the Railway Sessions. Also playing this new initiative between Irish Rail and Focus Ireland will be Mick Flannery and Emma Langford. The performances will be streamed live on Facebook. Access all areas. The Cork Opera House Winter Programme comes to a close on New Year's Eve with Mick Flannery as he rings in the new year with what promises to be yet another powerful performance from the legendary Cork singer-songwriter. Livestream tickets are available now at corkoperahouse.ie Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live-streamed events by emailing aaa at 96fm Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 9696. On Cork's 96 FM. I mentioned earlier on when I was talking about. Childcare and the cost of providing childcare, and talking to, to Mina uh, about the comparison between here and Finland. I mentioned that there were things every December that we talk about on the opinion line, and we hoped last year that we wouldn't be talking about them again this year. And indeed, we are, and unfortunately, we probably will be talking about them again at this time next year. But poor living conditions for council tenants. It's still with us. I'll get to Sam in just a sec. But here's our second piece of audio with Foot Solutions. 200 euro voucher to give away every day this week with Foot Solutions on the Grand Parade. We're giving the gift of comfort to your loved ones with a Foot Solutions gift card this Christmas. Playing Footsteps in the Snow. Asking you to count the footsteps, add them all up, and then tell us at the end how many we played. And being very strict today, very strict today, I'm only giving you each set of footprints the once. So here is your second set of Foot Solutions Footprints in the Snow. Short and sweet, add them to the first set and keep it safe. I'm going to give you the third and final bunch of them in the next hour. 1850-715-996. Now, Sam, the photographs that you sent us in are appalling, appalling to say the least. Um, damp and mould and strange things growing out of cracks in, in your in your accommodation. How long is this going on? Good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, I suppose the initial leak that is a problem this year is going on since September, the end of September. But there has been ongoing issues that I've tried to report and didn't, there's nothing ever comes out of them. You know, you got on to your council, I presume. 
I did. I got onto the council straight away in like the start of October. It took about two weeks for someone to come out and have a look. It didn't look too bad at the time, but they could see there was obviously a need for a repair. And they said they would contact the stonemason to get upstairs because I'm in a duplex and have a look underneath the, the slabs on her um, balcony to see what was going on there. They said they would give me, they gave me a date of about a week. And then it was a good, another few weeks passed and we had a load of storms. And then there was, I had to put a bucket down at that point. And so I was like, right, I'm going to get onto some TDs, you know, and I'm going to go get, try and get back to the council. And um, it took another while for somebody to come out. And then they said they would contact an engineer and they disappeared. And then again, I was on to TDs. I sent a letter to my housing officer, including the photographs I sent you, which were actually worse at the time when the weather was really, really bad. Yeah. And I got nothing back. I got on to Threshold. They got nothing back. I actually got on to the Irish Examiner and the journalist said she was shocked that she couldn't even get a quote from somebody. Yeah. And... I suppose at that point when Threshold started to put a bit of pressure on them, somebody did appear and went upstairs and did have a look and they said that there was a pipe that was leaking down into my home and that they were going to fix it. And I said, what about the repairs in my home? They refused to give me a date. And then yesterday, out of the blue, rather than to answer the Threshold deadline, they sent someone around, he looked at the wall and he said, dry it out and give it a paint. It's Ireland, everybody has damp. I know what's exacerbating the damp conditions that are coming in with this this leak is that I'm already living in unlivable damp. My front door is rotting off the hinge and I reported this during the summer and nobody ever came to inspect it. Yeah. And it must be cold as well, is it, Sam? It is cold. It's a new build, so like when the heating is on, it's warm. But it is cold, yes, during in the house. And you do have that sense of moisture, like things mm. are wet, you know. Yeah, and keeping the heating on all the time with that damp, you end yeah. up with old dirty, stagnant steam and horrible smells. Oh God! And I did, I did get a dehumidifier just in September, so that's lucky. But I mean, the cost of running that as well. I have my electricity is on a meter, so you know I'm feeling. They're expensive. They suck electricity out of the wall. Those things, as well as mm-hmm. sucking water out of, the, out of the wall, they suck electricity out of the wall. And I'm actually astounded, before the leak happened, you know, how much water it was sucking out. That was my regular damp. I was actually astounded at that, you know. Yeah, yeah, they're filling up the tanks re- really, really quickly. And it's not, like, just, just to clarify, this is not, like, this is not Irish damp. This is a very structural damp. There is yeah. structural damage to the home. Where, where, is, where is your property? Where are you, where are you living, Sam? I'm on Boreen Manor Road. I'm in Elderwood. Okay, I know the place very well. Yes. I know yeah. the place very well. Yeah. And also, look, there's, there's health implications here. You're asthmatic and so is your son. Yes, and I'm immunosuppressed. Oh, dear. Yeah. So I can't, even if I wanted to tackle this, I've been told not to touch it. Yeah, because there's mould in there as well. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, co- I'm cough for breath now all the time. And I have this dry, tickly cough that's, like, it's not a good climate to have a cough anyway. No. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm worried. I'm immunosuppressed. I don't know what's, what's going to happen to us, you know? Yeah. One, one shudders to think of the, the breeding ground for viruses that's in there. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. We sent the council a message um, asking them for their policy with regard to moving tenants where council accommodation has developed lamp, damp or a leak resulting in mould if the repair can't be affected in a short period of time. We asked them about medical policies, we asked them about inspections, we asked them about time limits, we asked them for that. We haven't had a response as yet. No, and I'm not sure if you will get one. That's the thing. I'm starting to feel like there is an issue within the council for reporting things. Just being able to actually speak to a person. Yeah. You know? When I when I was ringing about the repairs, something that was very interesting was there was one particular day there in November where I thought I was going to lose my mind because it hadn't stopped raining. And I rang from morning until office close. And I was ringing this repair line and they didn't even have a voicemail set up. So I was getting the air calm message of this person doesn't have a voicemail set up. So I couldn't even ring and, and leave a message to tell somebody this has gotten really bad. It needs urgent help. Yeah. So they just heard like, oh, she's a leak. Do you know what I mean? And they, they didn't know the context at that time. Yeah. The prospect of facing into to, to, to Christmas in, in those surroundings and the fact that we're in for a cold snap now over the next few days. Yes, and I suppose as well the fact that I, I am medically vulnerable and so with with COVID, like, we, we're spending more and more time at home. We, yeah. we can't go anywhere, you know. Uh, so now we're, we're doing nothing but sitting in this damp, whereas a regular year maybe we would be getting more breaks out, you mm. know. Mm. Sam, we're on it. They know we're on it. And if we get anything back from them, we will certainly be back in touch with you. Uh, we've got the, the, the photographs are horrific. Horrific. Yes. Thank you. Because I mean, I can't believe that they think that a lick of paint would, would solve this. <laughs> lick of paint? I'm sorry, no, but I'd, I'd, I'd start with a flamethrower. But anyway, I, that's just yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's what I did to the front door, that's, which, is, which is astounding because they're coming in and out of that door. They're watching, like they're opening that door themselves to go out and they can see that the door is rotting away and it has been painted and it has been damp treated. Mm. And they think that the living room will be resolved with the same thing. No, it won't. Okay. Look out to yourself and your kids, Sam, and try and mind your health in the midst of all that. And if we get any response from City Hall, we'll come back to you. We're not holding our breath here, but we will come back to you if we get a response. As I say, we sent a, a couple of questions to their communications desk for it to be passed up the line. And if we hear anything, we'll certainly bring it to you. 1850-715-996. I will bring you the responses to uh, Mr. Prince in the last hour of the program, I'm going to hold them um, because he <laughs> he has certainly poked some of our listeners in their ribs this morning. Now, there's some quiet agreement with them as well. This is the American billionaire I mentioned him earlier on this morning. Uh, he has a business in Cork and he says that uh, he wouldn't live here. He, 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 the only people that want to live in Ireland are the, are the Irish. Uh, you're not welcome unless you are. You're not welcoming, he, he says. Uh, and also he says that uh, your weather sucks and your food sucks. Well, the weather, as I said, we give him the weather. We definitely give him the weather. But not so much the food. Uh, people, other Irish entrepreneurs have hit back at him. And people who have come to w- live and work in Ireland have hit back at him. But I'd love to know what, what you think. And we're getting a few responses in during the morning. Now, last week we were giving away... Switch Toys vouchers on our 10k toy giveaway, giving them away to bait the band. And one of the men 
Yes, some men did win. Who won was Anthony. He was telling me all about his young daughter. And he wanted to win the voucher for her. And we qualified him here on the opinion line. And he went on to win in the draw with Lorraine that evening on the big drive home. Now, Tilly is Holly's mom and, of course, Anthony's wife and has a story to tell us. Tilly, good morning. Morning, PJ. How's it going? Good. So the voucher was won. There were great celebrations. Yeah, it was. It was great, yeah. What happened then? Um, so when we got the voucher, we told, obviously told Holly and she was all excited and we asked her what she wanted to do. And she told us that she'd love the ties, so this year she'd love to give boy, go and buy some ties for the girls and boys that may not have much this Christmas. Oh my God. So we got the voucher and we went away into Smith's the end of the night and she picked out all the toys and she donated them to Penny Dinners yesterday. So we're very proud of her. Hang on, the whole voucher? Uh, no, not the whole voucher because we, we, we did want to, you know, treat the girls as well. Uh, we have a little one as well, Zoe. So yeah. she she picked out whatever she wanted and then she spent, she spent most of it on the on the little kids for Penny Dinners. So oh. we're very, very proud oh, yeah. of her, her kindness. Yeah, she's a dog, like. Oh, my goodness. This is Holly. Yeah. Is this f- five this Saturday, it is, yeah? Yeah, she's five on Saturday, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. We're very, very proud of her, and she's just, she's just very kind-hearted in general, anyway, but um, I was kind of afraid to kind of mention it and stuff like that, but I, I'm just so proud. Yes. I didn't want people thinking that I was, you know, gloating about it, but I just think that no, she's no, so small, and I think that... Tilly, 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 because, there's no gloating yeah. here. You've got a five-year-old who got a massive prize off the radio station that her dad won for her as a treat and she's thinking yeah let's get something for myself my sister but, but give, let's give something to the little boys and girls who've got nothing you're yeah, you, you, you should be you should be standing on the rooftops yelling about this oh we really we're, we're so proud of her like she's just she's very aware that she's very lucky compared to some children and just for her to give you know she's just so small and we're just very very proud of her um She's just so kind. She's so kind-hearted. And I just think that she deserves the recognition for being so young and being so kind. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's marvellous. That's absolutely marvellous, Tilly. Really, really delighted. And uh, there's yeah, a picture of her gone up now on our, on our Twitter. There's a picture of her gone Oh, up yeah. She was delighted with life. Yeah. <laughs> She's very happy, yeah. Fantastic. I'm, that, that now is the, the, yeah. kind, the kind of generosity that... that you know what? Yeah. You're... you're that, you're fantastic parents because it's from you she has learned those values. Thank you so much. You're very good. I just think that if there's anything you can learn, a child is to be kind and giving, and we're delighted that she is that kind of person. So. That's 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 re- that's remarkable. That's absolutely remarkable. She's not she's not there with you, know. No, she's at school now today. So that, that's that's Zoe trying to get into the conversation. There is it? Oh, she is. Yeah, just one of the lunatics compared to her big sister. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Let's hope that that Santa will be extra generous as well this year because that's so, 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 so deserving. And and thank you for letting us know. Thank you so much, PJ, for giving us the um for letting us giving us the. Uh, sorry, I'm really bad. Touch your your grand, your grand. Zoe's no, no, no. Zoe's always trying to take I'm over. So there. Nervous. You're not only nervous at all. Be proud. Be very, very proud. Tilly, thank you so much for for letting us know that. Um, they won. Anthony and Tilly won. The voucher last week on the 10k toy giveaway and uh, little Holly and her daughter Zoe, yep, they got a toy out of it, absolutely, but then they went and 
donated the rest of it to toys for the boys and girls at Cork Penny Dinners. That is just... Ah, fantastic. Fantastic. That's the Christmas spirit now. That really is. That, that actually will bring a tear to your eye. That's toy show level generosity is what that is. That's the kind of story that makes the toy show. 1850-715-996. Remember this morning we were talking very early on uh, to the teacher from the North Mon and they were headed up to Mount Cara to do some singing and they were meeting the Frank and Walters up there and we were talking to them about doing after all and they were going to do it. Well, they've done it. Now, we have the full version of it. Oh, we have and we'll be playing the show out with it. But, yeah, they've been up there rehearsing and practicing and singing and there's the guitar in the back. After all that been How cool is that, eh? So before the end, we'll play out the show on it. We'll play out the show on it, the Nordman kids with the Frank and Walters live at Mount Cara with After All. We'll play the show out on it at just up to 12 o'clock. We'll also be hearing some reaction from the residents and the youngsters themselves and the Frank and Walters to finish out this morning. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Is Navin in Cavan? No, Debbie, there's just rhyme. Navin is in Mead. Cavan is a county. So what is the city in Navin? Are you being serious right now? It's a town, it's not a city. Wait, hold on. Who was your geography teacher? I didn't do Again. geography. <laughs> that explains everything. So good. Lorraine and Demi. Lorraine and Demi. Live. If you want to hear me trying to figure out what's going on in Demi's brain, Saturdays. Tune in to us to see what else Demi figures out. Lorraine and Demi. Live. Saturdays, 2 to 6 p.m. On the best music mix. Corks 96 FM. This is Corks. Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Corks 96 FM. Now, just before I head to the news, our good friend Edith Wilkins was in touch with the Opinion Line. And as I said yesterday, many, many people are getting in touch with us now for stuff that they're doing in the run up to Christmas. And, and all I'll say to you is we can't fit everything in, but we will fit in a lot in terms of mentions and, and just endorsements of stuff that's going on, just, you know, let people know what's happening. Edith Wilkins was on to ask, can we mention a Zoom virtual concert by John Spillane? This is to, uh, tomorrow night. All monies donated will go to the Edith Wilkins Street Children Foundation in India. Uh, COVID stops their concerts and their fundraising, but didn't stop the child trafficking didn't stop the child labour that the Edith Wilkins Foundation is doing their level best to, to defeat. So a Christmas concert uh, Thursday night, tonight, Thursday night, uh, tonight with John Spillane sending a special message to all in Cork to join us. Please join us. Dennis McLean, forever grateful to you all. Will he be brilliant or what? A message from John Spillane to anyone joining us on Thursday evening. Uh, a link will be sent to the Gloss mailing list at around 30 minutes before the show. So you can go to the gloss.org, D-H-E-G-L-A-S dot org, 
and you get put through and then you put it in the diary. There's also uh, AIB accounts that you can send donations to the Edith Wilkins Foundation for Street Children in Darjeeling. Uh, just go into AIB. They have all the IBAN and all the details there. Get on to your local AIB. I don't propose to read out big things like bank accounts, numbers and IBIX and all that thing, but the Edith Wilkins Foundation has uh, an AIB bank account and you can transfer money into it. But if you have an interest, if you have an interest in that event tonight with John Spann supporting the work, the continued great work of the Edith Wilkins Foundation, then you'll know where to go. The gloss.org, D-H-E-G-L-A-S dot org for all the details there. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996 is the number to call the text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email is opinion at 96fm.ie. As I said earlier on and I said yesterday, and we will do our absolute best to get to as many of them as you can send us, particularly if you send us a nice Christmas card as well. We'll mention your Christmas card should you send them to us. But by post, actually, is nice. We don't get much by post these days. Post would be lovely. But if you've got something that you want us to mention uh, coming up to the Christmas, uh, just let any, it might only be, it might only get 20 seconds of a mention now. But if you do, Send it in to us at uh, 96FM Broadcasting House Cork, 96FM Broadcasting House Cork, or email opinion at 96FM.ie, and we'll do our level best to help you in the run-up to the big day, which is three weeks today, lads. It's Christmas Eve. Three weeks today is Christmas Eve, and we're planning a very special show for Christmas Eve. We are on the air. In fact, we'll be having a lot of fun and games all that week, but Christmas Eve in particular, we'll be bidding farewell to a broadcasting year uh, with our Christmas special. Like everything else this year, it'll be different, but it will still be a special show for Christmas Eve. Now, let us go to Jackie. Uh, Jackie's called us. I think, Jackie, you, 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 your 14-year-old isn't so happy, I think, about living in, in 2020. Oh, we'll get her in a second. We'll be okay. Okay. Let us go to some of the responses we got to Matthew Prince, the, the billionaire from Silicon Valley, who says we're not very welcoming here, that the weather sucks and that the food sucks and that really only an Irish person would actually want to work here. Who cares what Mr. Prince thinks of us? OK, our weather may not be great, but when it's good, it's appreciated. Our scenery is second to none and good for the soul. Our food is top class. What's he comparing it to? Maybe McDonald's? I like McDonald's, by the way. And like everywhere, we have a diverse people who have their merits and their faults. Mr. Prince, Ireland isn't perfect, just like anywhere else isn't. Get over yourself. Noreen then says, ye paddies pay for everything. That's what a Spanish guy thought of here. He said his kids spend a lot of time looking out of doors at the rain. If he takes them anywhere, it's 25 euro every time. He packed up and went back to Spain with his wife and two kids, because of that, outdoor activities are free everywhere. He simply couldn't afford to live here. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. And if you go to Spain any number of times, you'll find there's so much there free for the kids to do that it costs money here. And Gossia from Yall, who moved here 15 years ago, said Matthew Prince is clearly a very, very poor man saying all these things about Ireland and Irish people. 
He's very poor as he's never had a chance to feel how Irish people are friendly and welcoming and how life can be great. It'll be 15 years on December 20th since I moved here. You can find people who aren't nice and you'll find racist people everywhere in any country, if you're an immigrant or not. It's all individual circumstances and personalities. The Irish are very welcoming. Life is good. I've developed a career here. I made friendships. I have Irish people who became family to me. What a poor man this Matthew Prince is. 1850-715-996. Yeah, Jackie's there. Hi, Jackie. You have a, I think, how old is this youngster of yours? Good morning. Hi, he's 14. Okay. Uh, and he wants stuff for Christmas and, and you're, you're a bit at a loss where to start. Well, he wanted an old camera. I had to drive to Limerick to collect that. Uh, I got another phone sent in the post, but it got damaged, a big hole in the side of it. Hold on now, hold on. An old <laughs> camera, how old? Uh, 1940s, 30s. Right. So not better. digital, like... this. No, is... no, no, no. He just wants, even if they're not working, he just wants to look at them. Okay. <laughs> okay. And he wanted a phone. Yeah, and he wants an old radio, and he wants old computers, and he wants everything old. I missed today, Smith. <laughs> and... You mean by the old phone with the dial on it? Yeah, the rotary ones. Do you know the rotary ones? Yeah. Yeah, those ones. Crikey. And where did he develop this interest? Autism. <laughs> no, really? Yeah, autism. How old? Oh, like, yeah. 14. You understand yourself. I do. Stuff. I do. I, are we, I think, <laughs> have we spoken before, Jackie? We have, yeah, a lot yeah. of time. Ah, now I know who I have. The, the, so that, that's his thing, I, vintage. Yeah, that's his thing. He's trying to persuade his school to give him an old computer. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> At least, you know what, for all the people who, who would love to get it and are being plagued for PlayStations and modern things that do strange... I, I, I got him an iPad for his birthday in September. Right. And I, he was talking about Russians and Kovinak and all that stuff. And I thought, you know what? I said, I have an old Russian hat up in a suitcase. Lost yeah. it. He hope he goes around with it everywhere on him. You're mad into vintage. So yeah. he's looking for an old, an Radio old phone. And oh. an old phone. And they don't have to be working. No, they don't have to be working. By the radio, I suppose it would be handy. Yeah, yeah. There's probably loads of those phones yeah. in attics. He actually wants one. Do you know the ones that he wants? Do you know the candlestick ones? The old Victorian ones where you just lift off the one thing at the air. Ah, you're joking. One of those. He wants all of them. Oh, anything. A... Anything. Right. right. I, bought, I tell you, I bought an old Victorian style phone online. 65 euro. You should have consulted me because it was a new a new one. I should have consulted him. I'm using it as a house phone. <laughs> so he doesn't even want the modern guts in it, like? No, 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 no modern, no modern. You throw back at me. <laughs> so even, because there are fantastic jokes out there now, you get the, like, the old phones with the modern guts in them and stuff. No, he wants no. the actual... Yeah, real old phones, old GPO phones, whatever, old BT, whatever, whoever makes them, I don't know. Yeah. I had to drive down to Limerick last Saturday for an old camera, pre-World War one or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped in the checkpoint going down, showed my carer's card, and it goes, off you go. <laughs> yeah, and going down to collect the phone from the 50s, like, what answer is the guard going to give you, like? Exactly. Oh, Lord. Yeah, he's gasping. I oh, God only knows when he comes down with the iPad. I say, oh Jesus, what does he want now? Yeah, so he looks it up on the iPad. 
Oh, he is so clever. Do you know? He'll be telling me stuff, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, just I'm, I have no clue what you're on about. He probably wants an old Valve tellies. Oh, he's, yeah, he'd want one of them too. <laughs> My brother has an old monitor. I didn't even tell him about it. <laughs> I'm causing you no more trouble than I'm solving, I know, by mentioning all these things. <laughs> Oh, he's it's gas. It's, but you know, it's it's the autism that they get these, and I think they're lovely. And some of them, yeah. th- these little obsessions. Oh yeah, obsessions. Old, old, old. And they and know like, more oh, about Jesus. it than you'll ever know. Oh, they do. He knows more history, and he listens to music from the Tufties. Oh yeah. I was from Limerick the other day, and I had to touch his music on in his phone, and it nearly drove me crazy. Big band swing and stuff. And do you know what? He doesn't even have a phone. I say he's the only 14 year old in Ireland that doesn't have a phone. <laughs> a smartphone. Yeah. There's, you know, a, vin- there's a vintage shop we're hearing here. There's a vintage shop in Kinsale. Yeah. That often has old phones. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to take a look down there. <laughs> What am I drawing on myself at all? I'm trying to get rid of stuff. Well, Jackie, you're listening to this program a long time now, and and you know, like you you know that people will start throwing stuff at us. Oh yeah, I know. Oh but good, trying, it's been lying around gathering dust for years. Here, yeah, get rid of it. A, a woman sent me one, but it got broken in the post. The but they don't. I mean, he please tell me he doesn't want the ones that actually work. No, 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 no. He just wants them on his desk to look at. He's very unhappy then. I have an old kind of, it's, it's an old retro kind of modern phone or radio thing. He won't let me throw it out. No, what? Now I'm moving soon and I'm trying to get rid of stuff. And he's making, he won't let me throw stuff out. Well, you know what? No, I'm going to make life worse for you because I love all that stuff. <laughs> I love all those old things. I just who wants I don't have to see him in my room. <laughs> oh, God almighty, you're, you're like the Queen Bee's sister. She put that junk in your own space, not mine. Exactly. <laughs> Jackie, if anybody knows where he can get my old rotary phones or any old stuff lying around in attics and stuff. Old radio, whatever. Old I was trying to persuade your school to give him a computer. Yeah. The, prin- the principal showed him the computers in the school. Can I have one? <laughs> they were saying, no. He'd ask again. He's gasped. All right. Listen. I say, I miss the days of going to Smith's and just picking up something. I know. Oh. <laughs> He'd bat you with it. <laughs> He'd bat I you. mean, he, he goes over to the shop with a Russian hat on him that I got back in the 80s. Do you remember when the Russian ship came into Cork here? Yeah, 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 yeah. 30 odd years ago. Yeah. I got one and How did you get a Russian hat off the boat 30 years ago? Uh, do you know what? The Russians were sending them all down there for money. So I got one. And badges and stuff. Right for not all the badges. But I paid 500 nad for an iPad for his birthday. And he was down to me telling me some story about the Russian castle and that. And I goes, do you know what? I said, I think I have a cap up there. Stairs inside the suitcase. Well, as I go, the iPad had not opened for two weeks. The hat. (laughs) Fergal is telling me here that those those hats actually, what they used to love to do was swap them for for Levi's jeans. Yeah, it's a jeans. They wanted jeans. (laughs) <laughs> Listen, Jackie, you'll probably be inundated now. You'll you'll be ringing me back in a week's time telling me, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> and I'm showing stuff out and selling stuff online because I'm, I'm moving. Hopefully I'm moving soon. <laughs> well, I'm you know what? When I was 14 or 15 uh, and, and cycling and walking home from school, down the back of, you'll know Dosco. Yeah. Down the back of Dosco. Th- th- there used to be a couple of skips 
and all of that's the right. all that's the television radio in a home in a skip. Oh God! All of the there was a couple of television and radio repair shops <laughs> inside yeah. there, and a couple of us oh. used to go into the skips once every couple of weeks, and we take out all the old second-hand speakers and build all my own stuff at home. So my poor mother knows exactly how you feel right now. I'm trying to I'm trying to track down a Betamax tape for the last three months. A Betamax I, I, tape? Just a tape, not the recorder, just a tape. <laughs> I'm like... I have how, the hell, how the hell did he hear about Betamax? How the hell did he hear about Betamax? Well, my husband had one grown up, so... <laughs> I just need a VHS. <laughs> What's that to tell you? If anybody has a Betamax tape, <laughs> you don't want to record. You record with just a tape. Oh, Jackie, Jackie, Jackie! We have loads of VHS from the older two growing up. Older. Doesn't matter. Don't mind them. You want to beat them? Listen, Jackie. It's great, great talking to you. Great talking to you. Oh, that's uh, oh, lovely. Thanks very much. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. He's fourteen. He's on the spectrum, and he loves. Vintage stuff. It doesn't have to work. Just, and don't be giving him anything that looks vintage and isn't. He'll throw it at you. He wants that. Brilliant. I love it. 1850-715-996. Uh, PJ, you'll put on the pounds, stuffing your face with McDonald's. What? God, how closely people listen. I happen to mention that I like McDonald's. I do like McDonald's. John says, you'll put on the pounds, stuffing your face with McDonald's. Yeah, no. Don't care. I'm not a big. Mount Cara is a busy morning up there they're having a lot of fun and they have recorded their own version of After All which we will play out with today but they've been having a lot of fun up there with with Frank and Walters and the residents up at Mount Cara. Let's let's have a listen to this. First gig of the lockdown. <laughs> First gig since February. Yeah. It was good playing with the Frank and Walters. Oh no. It was fun to meet them. And um, it feels exciting. Yeah, we were rehearsing for four, five days. Well, I've been around the world on different Christmases. This is my second Christmas here. So, I don't know, is it the last one or what? I don't know. Just have to carry on. What do you like to talk into on Christmas Day? What's the dinner? A glass of whiskey. That's <laughs> what I like to talk into. Is that the secret to your good health? Very good, very good. entertainment is very good by the kids. And I appreciate it, and all the people here do as well. Well, the most of my family, they know it's all nieces and everywhere. Mm. One kid out there now, Dara. That a hard gun and he's a fifth generation of mine. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's singing out there for me, he said. Well, you get kind of young, there's quite a bit tipping up about you. Get away from it, like, don't think on it, like, don't know. Go down and mix, try and have a conversation with the ladies. Like, I don't know. Who have you your eye on? Ah, isn't that lovely? Isn't that just so lovely to hear? Having fun in Moncara with the residents and Frank and Walters and the kids from the North Mon. 1850-715-996. That world premiere will close out the show at 5 to 12. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie.
This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Something else we're doing over the next couple of weeks as we run up to Christmas is looking at how Christmas is in different communities, different parts of our society. Because, you know, we celebrate it our way, others celebrate it in other ways. And we know already that thanks to, well, we're so proud to have formed a, a tiny part of it, but the, the, the machine that is now coming behind the miracle on Little Hanover Street, and we'll talk more about it as we get closer that's one way of celebrating Christmas. Another is, you often wonder when you think about it, just how do people celebrate Christmas in direct provision? Because well, there's kids there and Christmas needs to be celebrated, particularly among the Christian community who are in direct provision. Miriam, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. Now, now you're, you're South African, I think, and, and you have now settled here. You've got all your papers and you're living, you're living in, in, in Middleton. You were at one point, I think, in, in direct provision in Ashbourne House. Yes, I was. How is direct provision celebrated there? Well, not as, as we would want to celebrate it or not as kids would want to you know, Christmas to be celebrated. I think it's it's a very sad, uh, sadful event for them, you know, just being in a direct provision center, you know. They they would love and they would wish for them to be in a home, you know, in their own homes or within the community, you know, enjoying Christmas with other children, you know. So I think um, for me being in direct provision, you know, with my kids and things like that, I think my, my kids really would, would have loved that. But the thing is that they are within, you know, they can't do anything, and the parents, are, you know, they can't afford things for them for the Christmas season, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, um, you're originally from, from South Africa, so, like, yes. I know that, and Christmas is a big deal there, isn't it? So, you, you yes, would have, yes. uh, everyone would have a certain way of celebrating Christmas. There will be many different kinds of celebration that would go on among the various people in direct provision, wouldn't there? Yes. Uh, yes, um, like, uh, like you've, you've mentioned already, like, uh, you know, everybody celebrates Christmas in a different way, you know. And um, in South Africa, we, we celebrate with our family, you know, and, and you know, in, enjoy a meal together. Things like this, you know, uh, share presents, you know, things that... It's just the little things, I think, that count, you know, for the children in direct provision, you know. But the thing is, they are, you know, they don't get this, you know. Yeah. They are not fully entitled to a lot of things, you know. So for us to... To put this drive-through to to get uh, some gifts for the kids, you know, yeah. to to show them, you know, that listen, even though you are in direct provision, you know, they, we can make a little difference, you know, yeah. to the smile on their faces. Yeah, you, you've tied in with Mary and Judy Hopkins and the Moms of Glenmire Facebook, and you're doing lovely, something for for yeah, Ashburn House. You know, they have come to to um to my aid. In fact, I would say. Last year, Walsh Pharmacy has uh, had donated, you know, for the mums in uh, Ashbourne House Direct Provision, you know. I wanted to start this drive because I felt that they needed it. And I felt that I needed to start off with the center that I came from. So I, I feel that um, it's a good drive. And this year, um, Mary Hopkins and Judy Hopkins, you know, in fact, uh, came to me and they offered me. So it's something that I'm so over, overwhelmed with that I'm getting help, you know, even from the mums of Glenmire as well, you know. 
to make it possible for the mums and the kids in direct provision. You're putting together packs. What are going to be in the packs? Um, well, in the packs, there, there would be like shampoo, shampoo, conditioners, you know, things that people like usually even if you buy something at home and if you don't use it or if you're not going to use it, Please donate, you know. We would love this for the people, for the moms in uh, direct provision. It would be, can be soap, body wash, uh, shampoo, conditioner, lotion, sprays, perfumes, anything, you know, toys for the kids, anything that, you know, can put a smile on their faces. Yeah, and there's, uh, the, the numbers, uh, there's 29 women, 21 men and 45 children from yes, 8 months to 15. That's a, that's a lot of children. <laughs> a lot of children and I think to, to see that you know that glowing smile on their face for Christmas I think is the most soothing feeling I think anybody can feel oh listen you can't put money on that smile there's I'll no value on that can. smile you can't now you want to get these packs together by 20th of December yes I would love that you know and I, I would really appeal to people out there to please if you can donate we would really appreciate the donations that you send forward to the mum and the kids in direct provision. Okay. If anybody can help, I'll just give the, the contact details there Thank in just so a much. moment. Look after yourself, Miriam, and uh, you're, you're yes, happy, happily okay. settled now in Middleton, is it? Yes, and I love this place, you know. It feels like home to me. It feels like a more safer home to me here, yes. And I love the people around me as well. Brilliant. Well, delight, delighted to, to, to rate you among the new Irish or rank you among the new Irish and uh, thrilled to have you here. That's Miriam from South Africa, now living in Middleton, having come through the direct provision system. If you'd like to help out the, the people in Ashbourne House, this is where Miriam was when she stayed in direct provision. So she's helping the Hopkinses with this to get all sorts of little packs for them. Um, you can contact Judy on social media. That will be at Judy Hops. J-U-D-Y-H-O-P-S at Judy Hops on social media or you can email Judy at h-c.ie Judy at h-c.ie to get involved and to help. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie How are you doing? Are you well? Let's open some tails, Mary. Attention customers. Now opening tail number six. You got a hundred euro voucher. Buy something really nice for yourself, okay? <laughs> Is there an ambulance parked outside your house, Mary? <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool, celebrating the arrival of the new Skoda Octavia. Book your test drive now at noeldc.com. Exclusively Skoda in Cork City. Cork's ninety-six FM. This is Cork's. Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Courts 96 FM. Okay, third and final time to play Footsteps in the Snow today for our friends at Foot Solutions on the Grand Parade. We have a 200 euro voucher to give away every day this week, giving the gift of comfort to your loved ones this Christmas with a Foot Solutions gift card. I already played two sets of Footsteps in the Snow. I'm not playing them again. 
I got given out to about it. So I was being too nice and too kind. There are some Scrooges would want me to stop. I might break the rules again tomorrow, but today I'm sticking strictly to the script. So the third and final, I hope you haven't written down, the third and final set of Foot Solutions Footsteps in the Snow coming up right now. You should now have a total number in your head. Text or WhatsApp your name and that number to 083-396-9696 and we'll pick a winner and we'll talk to them before we quit today. We've kind of not had much pandemic stuff this morning. We did talk with Professor Chris, uh, Professor Mills earlier on with regard to vaccines and where we might be headed and the, the good news and the positivity surrounding it in the last couple of days is great and we've got to grasp it and hold on to it and just hope and I think hope with some certain certainty there that by this time next year, by the 2nd or 3rd of December 2021, we may be able to finally close the door on this thing that has blighted us and destroyed our year. And even using words like blighted us and destroyed our year brings to mind what my next guest wants to talk about. It's Dr. Fiona Roach. She wants to talk about pandemic fatigue. People have spoken about being sick and tired of this day in, day out, on the news, in the papers, on the radio, dominating the discussion. It's at every coffee table. It's at every water cooler. It's at every, in every office when there are people there. It's dominating Zoom meetings. It's made us change so many elements of our life in the last eight to nine to ten months. God, it's damn nearly 11 months now. And uh, Dr. Roach, you call it pandemic fatigue. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on your show. Thrilled to do yeah. so. I, it's, pandemic fatigue is everything you have just described there. It's just being tired and fed up of the pandemic and just everything about it. You know, all of these kind of, you know, this new normal that doesn't feel normal at all. Yeah. I want to say first is that it's entirely okay to feel that way. It's actually normal to feel that way. But, you know, it doesn't mean that we should go against any measures. But what it does highlight is the need to address pandemic fatigue itself. Yeah. And an awareness of pandemic fatigue helps us cope with it, both in the here and now. And it also helps to future-proof ourselves against mental health issues that could stem from this prolonged period of stress. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that I personally have noticed, and I've said this over, over, over the months, is that I can get on with life. I've been lucky we still come to work. We still all kept our jobs, which is great. But but I miss the people that I work with. I miss my work family. We just have very reduced numbers. And something else that has me personally speaking, the things that are normally stressful in life, as in the ordinary everyday things that are stressful, the mm-hmm. pand- pandemic has made them twice as stressful. Yes, and you know that's you know that's that's normal as well in itself because that that kind of ties into you know kind of what causes pandemic fatigue. Pandemic fatigue is the result of um, a prolonged activation of our central stress response system. So what it means is 
um, we are we have too much cortisol in our system. And the, the thing that's, is, a, that's a stress is, hormone, isn't it? It's a stress hormone, yeah. And it, it, it's referred to as the stress hormone because we tend to get a lot of it in response to stressful events like a crisis or a fight or flight situation. You might have heard, you might remember from back in school, the classic example they used to give us anyway in, in biology, I think, was, you know, you had Stone Age man and then he saw a tiger and he, he got this mad rush of energy and it was all down to the spike in uh, his cortisol levels. Yeah. And the thing is, cortisol is actually greatly beneficial in situations of acute stress because it ensures that we have that energy to either fight or flee from danger. Yeah. But the thing is, usually in that kind of uh, situation with Stone Age Man, you know, he can react quickly so he can either fight or flee. Um, but once the danger is passed, our, his cortisol levels go back down to normal. But when it comes to the pandemic, the threat isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So a response that was designed to help us escape from danger, that was designed to actually protect us, Mm. becomes very harmful to us because simply because the response remains switched on for yes. so long. Yes, yes. And the cortisol level doesn't normally dissipate as it would when yeah. when the stress goes away because yeah. the stress isn't going away. Exactly, exactly. And this affects us in so many ways. And the thing is, a lot of the time we're, it, the, you know, we with some of the ways it affects us, we're not quite sure. We can't really pinpoint, is it just us or is it, you know, a proper kind of, is there a proper medical mechanism behind it? And a lot of the time, I think we just blame ourselves, especially because the kind of the three main ways um, that this prolonged stress affects us is emotionally, mentally and physically. So by emotionally, I mean, we're going around and we're very, very irritable. You know, yeah. so for those listeners who might have kids, you know, maybe maybe their their daughter is going to go mammy, 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 mammy. And then we end up snapping and we say, what? What do you want? You know what I mean? Mm. But whereas, you know, on any other day, we wouldn't be quite that irritable. We wouldn't be quite that wound up by things and we might be able to kind of regulate our emotions better. You know, mm. something I noticed that you have uh, written about is that. And I, I, again, I said this many times over the last long, long, long number of months. One of the things that has kept me sane yeah. is my dogs and yeah. my cats. Now, I don't know why, but the, the four animals that, that share my house, yeah. they're like having a little release valve. Is it that they don't know what's going on? They don't care? What is it? I mean, that might be part of it, but from, I suppose from a biological mechanism, it's actually, we produce a hormone called oxytocin. Now, we, the kind of, the other name for oxytocin would be the love hormone. It's a hormone that's released in response to proximity to, you know, another living being and physical touch. So um, they've done studies on this before, and they even show that even if you have a fish, now you're not going to be petting a fish, but even if you have a fish in the room, another kind of living being, another living animal, that it actually helps an awful lot because your oxytocin levels go up. 
Um, and the thing is, during the pandemic, we're all very, very depleted with oxytocin. We're, we're used to hugging people, meeting up for people, with people, having coffee and all that kind of stuff, and, and being around our family. And so the animals help a lot because they're kind of, they help us produce more of that love hormone. And what happens with the oxytocin is it actually uh, helps reduce our stress and um, and our anxiety as well. Yeah. Um, so animals are very, very helpful in this situation. Yeah. Other things that uh, you know are helpful that people can try to do, and I know this is going to sound really funny now, but um, smiling. Now, I know we don't have much to smile about, and we're all going around wearing masks. Okay, mm. but even even a fake smile can trick the brain into feeling happier right. and more content. And you can what what the act of smiling does is it helps release our feel good hormones and is that and dopamine and serotonin and yeah. that. Is there a relation there between and again things that and I can only speak for myself things that I've taken immense pleasure in when I take a break from this is music. I love music anyway, but music music makes yeah. me smile. And reading reading something that's not connected or anything like that, or, or watching rubbish on television. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, smiling actually um, improves your overall happiness and your sense of well-being. And it actually has the effect of lowering your heart rate and reducing those stress levels, helping to reduce that cortisol. Um, and so whatever makes you smile, if, if, I mean, music makes me smile as well, so watching something funny on, on telly, you know, they're all things that can help a lot. And the other thing is, what I would encourage people to do who might be very, very, you know, glum, take this, because we all started off, you know, before the pandemic in different kind of states, different states yeah. of kind of our mood. Some people may have had, you know, barely just been getting by. You know what I mean? And might have been borderline, you know, depressed. And then the pandemic comes along and kind of really, it, it, it bowls them over. Made but even, even something, even if you have nothing to smile about, absolutely nothing. And, you, you know, you can't even think of anything to smile about. Ten fake smiles a day for two weeks. Yeah, and after about that length of time, You'll be smiling all by yourself. Or, or do what happened in my house last week. My son was sitting upstairs watching uh, the TV on his iPad. He had Netflix on and it had been a, a, a stressful day. Where our builders are finishing and stressful all day. I went upstairs and I sat down and I watched Mr. Bean on the iPad with my son. And so utterly stupid. <laughs> I came away feeling so much better. Dr. Oh, Fiona, you are on Instagram, you're on Facebook yeah, yeah. and you've got a book out as well. I do. My book is called Weight Loss, The Game Changer Because Leadership and Life Matters. And I would say, although it's a weight loss book, uh, the first uh, chapter deals an awful lot with um, ways of holding a positive mental attitude and positivity. And the first chapter, incidentally, is free to view on Kindle anyway. So maybe some of your listeners might actually, if they want to have a little read even of the first chapter, that would help in terms of the pandemic fatigue combating it as well, you know? Great. All right, listen, so, great um, great to talk to you. Dr. Fiona Roach. Great to talk to you. Okay, Fiona Roach, Dr. Fiona Roach, thank you very much. And all of those, thanks Fiona, all those feelings you've been having that certain days are just crappier than others, that's all normal. 
do something that makes you laugh. Listen to some music, watch some TV, rub your dog. Just just do something that takes your mind off it, even for 10, 15, 20 minutes every single day. Which is brilliant at the moment. The Crown is brilliant for that at the moment. And what we're watching, we're watching season four of The Crown. That's really good at the moment. I think maybe that's why I'm a celeb is so popular this year. Not my cup of tea usually, but I can see why it's very, very popular. 1857 Something else to take our mind off some negativity is this. And they've been up there all morning doing it. Uh, we were speaking very early on in the show with the teacher from the Mon who was headed up with the class. And he was headed up to, Dr., uh, to Colin Daly. He was headed up to Mount Cara with the class, with the Frank and Walters, to meet the residents and have a little bit of a Christmas get-together, do some carols and have some fun. And they had been practicing the words to after all. So we said, record it, and send it in to us, and we'll play out with it. And this is what they've come up with. These are the residents of Ankara, the Frank and Walters, and the kids from the North Mon.
Dr. Roach was telling us to find a way to smile or even pretend to smile once a day. Well, who needs to pretend to smile with that? That was great. Recorded this morning. Now, they were outside the windows of Mount Cara singing and performing for the residents inside, accompanied by the lads from the Frank and Walters. That was brilliant. That's the kids from the North Mon uh, doing After All on Coach 96 FM. Uh, yes, that is a rival, definitely a rival to Billy Murphy's version on the bus. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.